0: Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from onshaw.net. Interview number 20, Dan Carroll from Clever. Hello, hello, you are very welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education, this is Simon Lewis speaking. And today I am joined by a very clever person uh, who is Dan Carroll, who is, I'm sure he'd love to be, I'm sure everyone who introduces him, calls him, uh, says this, that he's a very clever person, because he is the co-founder of Clever.com. And uh, I'm delighted to have him uh, over on the show, uh, all the way over from uh, the US, from Austin and Texas, uh, to talk about Clever.com, but also a little bit about the u.s education system because i think one of the delights i have of doing this podcast is learning what other countries do well and what we can learn in ireland about our primary education system. Some maybe uh things that work very well uh in the u.s and i'll be talking in particular about diversity in a way uh, in a way but also about technology and education in general so some tips that we might learn from that so delighted to have you dan thanks very much uh for coming on to the show Thank you so much for having me, Simon. It's an honor and a pleasure. Oh, brilliant. So, I mean, our first question always uh, in these uh, podcast interviews is uh, is the first question that people get asked in an interview, which is maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your background you, in education particularly, and how you came to be the co-founder of Clever.com.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I'll start at the very beginning. Um, I come from a family of educators. My mom's uh, retired now, but was a lifelong uh, fourth grade uh, you know ten year old uh, elementary school teacher and grandmother's a librarian a grandfather's a professor of, of education and so I think I've got a little bit of the the teacher in my, in my blood mm-hmm. um, but I uh, uh, didn't actually you know step into the classroom as a teacher um, until after after graduating from college I didn't go to college um, studying education but I did a, a kind of alternative program called Teach for America that takes college students and gives them a bit of training and sort of throws them into a classroom and sees what's happened. Um, So (laughs) I ended up teaching uh, eighth grade, uh, you know, 13 to 14 year olds um, in Denver, Colorado. And I was a science teacher Ah, Um, by far the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, You know, I I know there's a lot of teachers listening and, and my, I, I I know, I know, I know what you go through. Um, it is it is not an easy job, and certainly not an easy one to get started in. Um, but I had uh, it was the most meaningful work uh, and and the most incredible work um, I did. And you know, the school that I worked at, um, we didn't use much technology. The most important piece of technology I think that we had was our copier machine. Uh, which, if that went down, you know, that was a bad day for everybody. But if it yeah. was working, then everyone kind of uh, got along just fine. But um, in my classroom uh i got fr- pretty frustrated with the tools that were available to me uh, i had students who were um, reading my college textbooks because they were mm-hmm. bored in my science class my college science textbooks right. and i also had students who had recently immigrated to denver from mexico uh, mm-hmm. who were still learning english and you know their English skills were were really basic and rudimentary and somehow you know I was supposed to sit up in front of the classroom of these 30 or 35 students and engage all of them at the same time. Yeah. And occasionally I'd somehow pull a magical lesson uh, out of my hat and and do it. But a lot of times um, I was losing uh, a lot of my class because this sort of, you know, one one size fits all education I was providing wasn't meeting all of my students' needs. And mm-hmm. so I got really excited about bringing, uh, using additional technology in my classroom to try to make things a little bit more personalized, to, you know, create more flexibility um, and more um, you know, the ability for students to learn at their own pace. And I, uh, you know, we had some laptop carts that were maybe not in the best state of repair, but I got them up and running and did some exciting virtual science labs and things like that. And um, I sort of uh, along the way by, by using technology sort of Uh, complained my way into a new role (laughs) at at my school. uh, And after two years in the classroom became the director of uh, data and technology, you know, sort of one of those, you know, if you think, if you think the tech could work better, how about you, uh, you go fix it. (laughs) And uh, it was very exciting for me to, because I knew that, you know, I was, I'm I'm a big nerd, uh, you know, computer person since I was a very young age studied some computer science in university. And so I kind of had this list of 10 different problems that I'd seen throughout my school that I thought technology tech, you know, grid software could really help with. Mm. We could make it easier to communicate with our families. We could, um, you know, give students quick feedback on assessments more quickly. We could, you know, personalize learning. And so I, I kind of had this list of problems and I, had found some budget and some teachers that were excited to try some new things, and I really thought in my first year that I might solve ten problems by yeah. bringing new tools into the into classrooms and, and running pilots. And the reality was, in my first year as the director of technology, I solved one one problem, and it took you know a thousand times more effort just to mm-hmm. just to get the products into the teachers' hands than I thought. And um, the thing that started to drive drive me crazy it wasn't that there weren't good Uh, solutions out there. It wasn't that I couldn't find budget. It wasn't that teachers were excited to try new things. It was actually some of the integration challenges. Mm -hmm. Every time there was a new tool, it was a new place where our school secretaries or administrators had to go and type in new student accounts every time a new student enrolled or students changed classes. It was a new username and password that kids were going to forget. And the teachers would then email me and I'd have to go and reset. And I realized that we were missing the foundation that we needed to actually use technology to solve problems,
0: mm-hmm. because
1: without the foundation, without kind of the hub or the the platform, every time we brought in a new tool, it cre- it solved one problem, but it created three more. Yes, and so I sort of t- hit pause on trying to solve more problems, and I started to look for this platform that I knew had to exist. Like, you know, what 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 is that hub uh, that, that 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 you know the, the Salesforce, you know, that, that sort of that center central thing that I can connect different tools to? And I you know looked around and. In my city and couldn't find anyone who had anything and talked to people who had my role around the state and couldn't find anything and eventually i flew to california and mm-hmm. uh was sleeping on the couch of one of my best friends from college and visiting some schools in san francisco that were supposedly very high tech yes. and when those fo- schools didn't have any solution to this problem either but they they validated it they said yes this is a real problem it holds us mm-hmm. back we have 10 people that solve it or we you know can't can't use as much technology as we like as a result um that was a bit of a light bulb moment that that really the thing that I'd run into was a real problem for the ecosystem. And, you know, fortunately, the person whose couch I was sleeping on was my, you know, f- uh, friend who had gone off and worked at a startup right after university and had this amazing success and was actually looking to start something new.
0: Ah. And so, you
1: know, we we started scheming, you know, that very weekend and brought in another friend who was the sort of technical uh, superstar. And you know a few days later clever was born and we were kind of off to the races and our mission was you know we're not going to build the reading software we're not going to teach kids how to do math but we're going to be the connective glue that just makes everything work and makes it work easily so teachers can focus on teaching instead of uh, having to deal with you know the one student that doesn't have a an account or the other student who forgot their password
0: yeah gosh that's uh that's incredible isn't it it's funny um I, I love hearing people's stories about how they, you know, invented something or, or started something. And it, it, it's so often that it's just a, a happy accident of a couch you might have slept on or a, or a conversation that might have happened, someone you bump into at a party and things of like that. Uh, so it's, it, it's it's incredible. I, I suppose, I mean, I know what Clever is uh, and uh, because I've been using it in my school, um, I somehow wangled myself onto it. Although it was only available in the US, I managed to wangle myself onto it a few years ago. I'm Sure, you were cursing me. Uh, but um, I, I have to say, and I, I mean this uh absolutely genuinely, it, it completely changed uh the way we did Ict in our in our schools. Um and you talked about th- that it became the glue that you were looking for for um you know getting getting children to access technology. But for people who have no idea what you were talking about here, what is clever.com?
1: Yeah. Uh so it, it's a funny product because if someone is uh, doesn't work in schools, sometimes I can spend an hour trying to describe what we do and, and it just doesn't quite make sense to them. But if yeah. I talk to a teacher or a principal, you know usually we can, I can say a few sentences and, and they get it. So mm. what clever is when you know, it's adopted by um, schools and schools, school, school, uh, school, groups of schools. Um, You, as a teacher or student, log into Clever, and you can use maybe a Google account or a Microsoft account or a username and password, whatever works for you. If you're a younger student, you can actually use this uh, Clever badge, a printed-out QR code that you hold up to a webcam to log in without having to type anything. And when you log in, you see all the applications that you have available. Those are the things that your school has purchased, maybe things that, as a teacher, you've discovered on your own. And it's a nice orderly grid you click on the tool that you want to use and you get logged into it automatically. Um, in some ways, it just feels like the way things should work. You shouldn't yeah. be having to remember a bunch of URLs and type in different usernames and passwords. I remember uh, my school before we had Clever, we had uh, index cards where students would write out for every program that we used, you know, what was the URL? What was their username? What was their password? And they'd stick it in a little index card holder. Um, yeah. It seems like today, in this day and age, that, that that shouldn't be the way we keep track of technology. There should be a system for managing it. Exactly. So that's yeah. what it looks like for a teacher or a student. You know, on the administrator side, there's some uh, options that you can configure so that Clever can be the way that you log into a Chromebook or Mm -hmm. a Windows device. Um, You can control which students get access to which products uh, and things like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, behind the scenes, under the hood, we have APIs and different security protocols and all sorts of technology going, you know, the complicated things that make the end user experience really, really easy and simple.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, just just for people who are listening, just to, uh, as one example of a, of a primary school using uh, Clever for the last number of years, we've uh, we used it uh, for logging onto Chromebooks with the Clever badges. So every time a child enrolls in our school. Uh, they get a username and password uh, for Google. Um, so they have credentials for our school at our domain and that converts into a badge, which is just a QR code. And whenever they open up their Chromebook, uh, they um, show the badge to the to the camera and it logs them into the Chromebook. So they don't need to learn a username or a password. And al- almost all of the apps that um, we use in our school are connected into Clever. So they don't actually have to remember um, the usernames or passwords for some of the software. So Mathletics would be one that would be very popular in Ireland. Um, and there's some, I mean, obviously there's some Irish products that wouldn't be on clever.com, but um, for, the, for the most part, um, it wiped out you know, that, that situation that I think every Irish teacher, I presume every teacher in the world had uh, when you, they brought in the Chromebook trolley or they brought in the laptop trolley and you spent the first half an hour just logging the children in and then time was up. And like, oh, why did I bother bringing in the uh, the 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 laptops at all? Um so for us, we have every child in a class logged in within about fifteen twenty seconds of the Chromebooks being opened, and that's to me, I still find that magical. Five years later, um, it, it's it, it's uh, it, it's 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 amazing. Before I go on a little bit more in clever, I want to learn. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah. Tell well, tell me a of a something else, things,
1: Simon. You know. Yeah. First, I just want to clarify that is seconds and not minutes, uh, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. The, the idea that a teacher has to be, you know, if they want to use technology, their job becomes being tech support for that period instead of yeah. being a teacher is just a, a tragedy. And, you know, our, our, our goal here is that teachers should be able to use technology and stay teachers. You know, mm-hmm. there were, they should be focusing on coaching students and helping students uh, with, the, with the content, with the pedagogy, not having with with, with the technology. Um yeah. The other quick uh, bit I wanted to share is you mentioned that, you know, hey, Clever may not work with every uh, Irish, uh, you know, Ireland specific product uh, so far. That is changing. Um, yeah. You know, we have made a commitment as a company to expand into Ireland. We're building, and I'll talk about this later, specific yeah. products just for Ireland. We're partnering with Irish Irish. IT companies, as well as the products that are, you know, popular within Ireland. And so thank you, Simon, for being the early adopter when, you know, we weren't quite ready to really say uh, we're launching in Ireland. But you're one of the reasons that we said this is a great market for us to be in. There's a great need. And we really want to not just Allow Irish schools to use the U.S. product. We want to customize a, uh, our offering and really create an amazing offering specifically for Ireland, um, with Irish support, you know, Irish Ireland-based support, and, and so on. So we're really excited to to make this, uh, you know, to to fully customize Clever and support all of the different tools that get used
0: um, across right. Ireland. Brilliant. So before we, we we go on to that, I, I kind of want to talk a couple of things about um, the education system in general in the US. I mean, we we might stick with technology because a, a lot of our listeners are, are geeks like you and me, and we want and and they they looking they they listen to this podcast to find out some hints and tips from around the world. Uh, and one question that we, we we can be a bit hard on ourselves in Ireland, I think, um, because I, I actually think. We're not bad when it comes to technology. Um, in in terms of the hardware we have, the software that's available, the um, and and the quality that's that's available uh, to us, uh, despite the fact that you know, and I imagine most countries are the same. We're we're terribly underfunded. I mean, we have a joke in Ireland that most of our technology has been funded by cake sales. Um, so uh, I'm not sure how ba- if it's like that in the US, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about. What what I mean, and I know the US is like saying you know, like what's Europe like? Uh because it depends on what state you're in, maybe, or what, what, what system you're in. But just maybe, you know, you've you've had some experience of San Francisco, you've had some experience of uh Texas and maybe Colorado. What, what what kind of technology would you expect to find in an average classroom in the US?
1: Yeah. And you know, the wonderful thing about um working at Clever is that we get to work with uh schools in every single uh, one of the fifty us states, so mm. we do get to have a really wonderful uh, national perspective on schools. Mm. I think we are up to about two thirds of schools in the us using wow. clever, so it's a it's a pretty uh, wide view that we get to we get to look across. Um, I think that there's a few different things that you can sort of take for granted these days uh, in in the vast majority of schools. Of course, there's always exceptions. Um, mm. The first is that uh, schools these days have um, great broadband. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a great national initiative run by a nonprofit that's, you know, about a decade ago said, um, we have schools that are using 1.5 megabit, uh, internet lines and assuming that a hundred kids can have rich digital experiences. It's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. And so the, um, the government has set a recommendation and and um, of, of you know one megabit per student, and even that we're you know sort of stretching. Maybe it should be more like uh, three megabits per student. Sure. And so um, you know you should expect that you should that uh, most schools have you know a 500 megabit to gigabyte uh, internet connection mm-hmm. um, and pretty reasonable Wi-Fi. There's a lot of federal funding for that kind okay. of uh, infrastructure. Um, so that's a really a really great thing. And that wasn't the case you know 10 years ago. Okay. That was uh, the uh, unusual. Second thing is. Um, there are a lot of devices in the U.S. Um, mm. the, and I think that there's a real pivot point, about, again, about 10 years ago, where the Chromebook uh, entered the U.S. market and just mm. took off like wildfire. Um, mm. the, the Google Chromebooks are the most common device in U.S. schools. And yeah. especially uh, during COVID, um, many, if not most, school districts went one-to-one. So every student has their own Chromebook. Wow. Um Different policies there. Sometimes those stay at school. Sometimes those go home with the student. Mm -hmm. But at this point, um, most in most places, you're going to see each student having their own device. And in most cases, it's going to be a Chromebook. Um, And then the last thing that um, uh, I'd like to touch on is the software side. Um, There's a few kind of software pieces that are givens. Um, uh, Every school district will have a, we call it a student information system. I think it might be an MIS uh, in Ireland or the UK. Um, And that's the database where you keep track of the students in the classes. Mm -hmm. Um, A learning management system is pretty ubiquitous these days, maybe a little bit less with the younger students, but very, very common with the older students. Uh, Canvas, Schoology, Google Classroom are the most popular. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're familiar with at least some of those options. Yeah. And then, you know, depending on the school and their needs, but there's a a whole range of different uh, pieces of software that they use, usually Um, Mm cloud-based. But uh, Mathletics is definitely a popular one in the U.S. as well, but you'll see um, you know, tools for reading, for math, for parent communication, for, um, you know, classroom management, um, tools for students that might need an extra challenge, tools for students that might be struggling, especially for learning to read. And so there's just this whole range of software, usually cloud software um, that, that schools are using. So uh, and then I should add also, in addition to the pieces that schools buy and pay for, a very, very robust uh, set of free options that teachers go and find on their own uh, and, and bring into their classroom
0: that's great gosh it, it sounds like things are quite advanced then I I, I was I was I, I hadn't expected it to be that good uh, you know in in, in Ireland where we're definitely much further behind in fairness I mean our broadband has uh, improved immensely in the last 10 years again there is a this was from a government initiative that where they were ensuring that every every household uh, which doesn't necessarily mean school but it, it, it kind of as a result it in men's schools most schools now would have good broadband let's say 500 megabit get 1 gig broadband um but not all um where we fall i think really is the other two areas uh, devices and um applications on uh, you know where we we rely a lot on textbook companies to provide the software in a way which um which can be good and bad in some ways but then um devices really schools are you know, we, we have advice, let's say given by at government level, but it's really up to schools to source them. So your average Irish classroom will have an interactive whiteboard. I'm sure it's probably the same in the US. I know we didn't meet them. It's kind of funny 20, 15 years ago, that would have been a big deal, but they, they're just part of furniture now, aren't they? Yeah, um, yeah. And I think I would say then that's where the conversion starts. Like schools like mine would have, you know, quite a lot of Chromebooks. We went all in for Chromebooks um, but a lot of, there's a lot of diversity in terms of uh, what schools have. I think Microsoft has still got, has a heavy presence in Ireland uh, in terms of schools. Um, iPads kind of, I know they were all the rage for a while and then before Chromebooks came along, but they're still, you know, again, they'd, they'd be equal, I'd say, in early to Chromebooks, mm-hmm. despite their price. And, um, and then you've got schools who have very little, you know, they're, they're, which is, it's, it's kind of an unusual kind of Thing um, possibly because I think our structures are very different to the US. We every school is its own private entity, so you don't have districts and things like that, which is um, which can which can be tricky enough. But um, really good to know that kind of thing. Um, but one thing that did, I mean, it, it kind of spark a lot of uh, IT um, in Ireland uh, was the COVID pandemic. You touched on it there in your last answer, and in some ways, there were schools that never did um, online learning. Uh, before COVID came along Um, and, you know, possibly because it wasn't a need. Um, We didn't, we don't have, we have a climate where we don't have to close for several days on end. You know, if there's a big snowstorm, we don't have those sort of things. So there wasn't a culture of schools closing. So remote learning was never really a thing until COVID hit. Um, Did it have a similar impact in in the US, COVID, in terms of remote learning?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe just one thing I want to say before I get into that is, even though I talked about some of the, the great infrastructure investments we've made across the United States, certainly if you asked the average person working in ed tech in the United States, you know, are things working perfectly? Have, are, 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 have you accomplished everything you need to accomplish? Uh, we would, we would share your perspective on Ireland, Simon, that there's, you know, far more work to be done than okay. we have done. So we can talk about maybe some of the challenges in the U S later. Mm. Um, but gosh, you know, I'm thinking back to, to March of 2020 right now. And, um, uh, It was that whole year was just a bit of a blur. Um, uh, Schools were were certainly not prepared. Um, Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Um, uh, There was there is and has been um, a a small chunk of the United States, maybe one or two percent of students who have always learned online. Um, Maybe those are students who have an illness, a chronic illness or, you know, whatever reason or haven't been satisfied with the local school and have done sort of online and virtual programs. So there were some software providers and a little bit of experience there. But um, generally, this was a, you know, an absolute, you know, tsunami that no one was prepared for, no one mm-hmm. could have predicted. And to be honest, you know, I think if you'd asked me in before March of 2020, could the system have even adapted, I would have just said, absolutely not. You know, there's mm-hmm. no way that uh, our schools could have changed their practices and adopted new things as quickly as, as would have been needed by the, the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I saw, you know, when I think about teachers and administrators is um, folks rose to the occasion um, and, and families themselves in a way that I I don't think I thought possible. I think many of them didn't think possible. You know, yeah. it was like two days after schools had closed and they had, um, you know, the school laptops packed up with some snacks and some, you know, worksheets and and some instructions uh, all bundled up, you know, folks wearing masks, handing packages into cars so that families could take things home. Um, people just working miracles to try to get, uh, you know, internet to families that didn't have strong home internet, you know, hots, uh, the, the telecom companies providing hotspots that schools would deliver. I mean, it was just this whole mobilization um, around the crisis that, um, was, was absolutely incredible. You know, we would have clever, we would host these town halls where we would invite our school district, uh, leaders to come and join. And we'd have a few folks come and do a panel. And, you know, every single time there would be a moment where everybody, there wouldn't be a dry eye in the house, you know? <laughs> everybody, you know, people would be talking about the, the, the things that they were doing the challenges that they're meeting. And, and I I'd, I'd be moved to tears. Um, so it was an incredible time of, of people just doing whatever it takes, working around the clock. Um, to try to make sure students were learning, uh, I do think now, you know, looking back on it, gosh, the efforts were incredible. But but did we deliver an, ed, an education that was that matched the one that students were receiving in school before the crisis? I, I don't think so. You know, the, the results show some really strong, uh, challenging gaps in learning. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't for lack of effort and lack of trying. And I do, yeah. think in terms of lasting changes, you know, we see more, uh, you know, more more. Device purchases, you know, stronger hardware um, coverage, and then also a lot of tools that um, weren't used in a significant way before COVID and now have become part of the daily routine. Uh, I think learning management systems are a good example. They mm. have existed for a long time, but Google Classroom was not something that the majority yeah. of U.S. teachers used every day prior to COVID, and they yeah. ever, you know, it seems like eighty or ninety percent of teachers use Google classroom during, and many of those teachers continue to use it after um and similar things to say about canvas and schoology
0: yeah i think I think uh, that that's very fair because we and very similar to our, to ireland all right we you know a lot of schools went from zero to all of a sudden you know bringing a school bring the entire education system from offline to online in a couple of days i mean i i' i don't think i I think you know when people eventually look back. Um, they'll, they'll realise almost, I, I would say how heroic those efforts were, you know, I'm not, I mean, obviously we weren't, you know, saving people's lives, you know, literally, but we were in a in a, in a figurative sense, you know, really, um, you know, continuing a child's normality um, as best as possible. And I, I mean, I think, you know, a child, you know, who can't go out, who can't see their friends, who can't, um, you know, leave their house or anything like that, and, and they're, their only opportunity to sort of do that was through this virtual sort of classroom. And thanks to, you know, companies like Zoom and the rest of them who kind of made that possible. Um, I I, I think it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a really, really great thing, but it definitely didn't replace school, thankfully, because that means I still, we still have jobs, uh, most of us, but uh, if we learned anything, it means our jobs are probably uh, slightly safe, but also, I mean, on a serious note, the, um, likes of Google Classroom in Ireland, Seesaw is a really popular oh, yeah. uh, similar tool. I know they're they're based in the US as well. Um, both of those bec- came out as the two big winners, let's say, in terms of uh, educational technology use uh, during COVID. So, I, I mean, I think, um, you know, when it comes to ed tech, it sounds like there's loads of similarities, which is kind of nice and good to hear. But what, what, I, I want to spread out a little bit more, uh, and we'll only touch on it briefly, just around the US in general, because, I mean, I... I the the what we look at over in Ireland, uh, we have a uh, I suppose it's a young enough education system. It's about a hundred years old, maybe less than a hundred years old, um, and it's very. Um, I suppose we, we we it's not diverse. I suppose diverse is not the word we would use uh, to describe uh, the people who are teaching children despite the fact that our classrooms are very diverse places, like every country, uh, Western country in the world, there's huge diversity, which is brilliant, but it's not being matched by uh, the profession. Um, and when we kind of maybe gaze into, let's say, watch our TVs um, or uh, go on the internet and look at Instagram influencers out there who are teachers, one thing we see is is much more diversity in terms of race, culture, ethnicity, and things like that. And I, I kind of wonder, uh, I suppose, was there a deliberate mechanism for that to happen in the u.s or you know what what you know despite having multicultural societies in both in ireland and the u.s why don't we have one (laughs) yeah what could we learn i suppose is what i'm asking
1: absolutely yeah i mean so many different issues here to unpack you know i often um first of all i think uh there are very few folks in the United States who would say, who would say we have cracked the code on diversity and equity and inclusion in in our school system and sure. you know look to us as a model of success. Okay. Um, if anything, I think um, that is an area where um, across the country we we see some of the biggest gaps and the biggest unsolved challenges. Uh, you know when we think about. Uh, diversity. And I know we're, we're going to talk about diversity in the teaching profession, mm-hmm. but I think the, the things that we look at are different outcomes for students of different races. Yeah. Um, you know, students who are white have a higher chance of uh, graduating from high school, going mm-hmm. to college, of getting, passing proficiency tests than students, uh, you know, who are African American or, or Latino. Um, sure. And so uh, with, with the, one thing we spent a lot of time thinking about and talking about is how do we um, improve outcomes um, to, mm-hmm. to make them uh, equitable um, for these different groups? And one of the things that research has shown is that students often have uh, learned better or more engaged in classrooms when they have a teacher that um, matches their background. Okay. Um, and there's a, a you know, uh, a long history um, uh, post um, uh, Brown versus Board, you know, only only it was only 70 years ago in the United States where we said it's not OK to send black students to one school and white students yeah. to another. Right. Sure. And looking yeah. at it, it's only 70 years, you know, it's within many folks lifetime that we had that court decision mm-hmm. is just absolutely mind boggling. Um, but uh, after that decision, when schools became integrated, there um, was a long history of uh, white teachers teaching classrooms that might be partially or, or, or fully um, Black African American, Mm -hmm. and um, there's definitely been uh, a large effort from education schools, from other programs, to take folks to to help train and prepare uh, people from a community to go and teach in that community. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, even if there's maybe folks coming from a different community to kind of create um, uh, to learn about cultural awareness and kind of uh, appreciate and value the culture that you're teaching in, rather than you know, sort of taking a more colonial approach of saying, I'm not going to respect the culture of this school. I'm going to bring my own culture and decide that that's the culture that we're going to have in my classroom. Mm. And so, um, I think the, the research and I'm I'm certainly not an expert here says that, uh, the more you can sort of uh, respect and find the values in the in the culture and in and in, in the in the of the students and the community that you're working in, the more successful the students will be, and that's been a big effort. Obviously, still have a long way to go, um, mm-hmm. but those are things that we we feel like we've learned and have, have been working on uh, across the states.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's 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 a tricky, I suppose, um, situation that to start um, anything you you have to make a deliberate sort of action to, to, to show that you, you're, you're, you're making an effort. Things don't really happen by accident, I found, Um, you know, you can't just say, ah, at some point, you know, all, all these uh, minor, minoritized uh, people will, will eventually become teachers and everything will be fine. If they're not seeing, you know, if they're not seeing teachers that look like them uh, or, 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 uh, or understand them, they're not. Going to want? Why would? Why would you ever want to go somewhere? There's a great there's remark. So, I wouldn't want to be a member of a club that would have me kind of thing. You know that kind of uh, sort of situation. But um, uh, it's it's good to know that you know that that first barrier breaks down. I mean, I know you know, look, we're we're living in a world now of of a lot more divisiveness. And I I, I think things are maybe going a little bit backwards uh, at the moment across the world, but I don't think we'll solve that today. So maybe we should stick to what we know and talk a bit more technology. (laughs) Would that be okay? (laughs) We might, um, I want to uh, talk a little bit, about clever coming to Ireland because this is really exciting for me. Uh, despite <laughs> despite the fact that you know uh, I, I have nothing to gain financially from you coming here, but I have everything to gain from you uh, coming to Ireland because as the, as as formerly the only Irish clever user, it is great to know that I'm going to have colleagues uh, around the country who are going to be starting with clever, and we're going to be uh, asking you loads of naggy questions about. Um, can you put this uh, can you make this available for us? Can you uh, ensure that we can log on using XY and this kind of stuff and this software doesn't work on clever kind so I'll have a lot more people we will be like coming at you in stereo um, or uh, so um, tell us about clever's uh, move into Ireland yeah so we've always had the goal of uh, making clever a global company. Um,
1: we know that the challenges that I felt in my classroom are not U.S. specific challenges, they are global Mm -hmm. challenges. Um, But, you know, as a small company, an early stage company, it is very hard to think uh, beyond the immediate customer base that you have and uh, beyond, you know, the the, the place that you started in. Um, We also have learned very quickly at Clever from just talking to folks outside of the U.S. that, Um, While uh, there are many global education challenges, there's also a lot of differences between in-school systems, everything from what we call the the grade levels to how school districts are organized and their power structures and what applications they use. So we know it's it's not a copy and paste uh, effort. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the big transitions for us is uh, in 2021, uh, Clever uh, was acquired by a European company. Uh, Folks may be familiar with Kahoot, uh, the, the kind of quiz platform. And uh, we were already, when that acquisition happened, really getting a lot more serious about uh, expanding globally, but being uh, part of a a European ed tech family and also having, you know, to be able to draw on Kahoot's expertise and resources really kind of uh, accelerated and supercharged Mm -hmm. our efforts. So, you know, we did a great GDPR compliance to make sure that um, we're meeting the privacy expectations across the continent. Um, And we've also... uh, Uh, um, you know, customized our product. Uh, In the United States, you know, we started out with a very simple product and we added on more and more pieces and knobs and dials and functionality, which is great for our our, uh, schools in the U.S. who who want to to do more and more and more. But when we started introducing Clever to, to new schools, we realized, oh my goodness, there's this whole giant mass of complexity that they have to think through just to get started and of course you know some folks like you simon uh, are happy to wade through it but others you know where's the version that i can just sign up for in 15 minutes and get started mm-hmm. and so we realized we actually needed to start to repackage clever and so we come up with this idea um clever go and what we've done is based on many interviews with folks in ireland and um and the UK and Australia, we realized what are the key functions that we really need to offer to help people get up, up and running. And as you mentioned, Simon, one of the things that we've heard over and over again was if you can make, allow students to access their Chromebooks, uh, instantly without having to type, you know, uh, dcarol at schoolname.org.co uh, and, and so on. Um, that would just be a massive win for teachers. And then after you do that, maybe you can show them some links or, or some applications that they could log into. And mm-hmm. we realized we can get uh, school up and running on that process, you know, in 15 minutes um, rather than 15 days. So that's what Clever Go is about. Um, if you'd like to try that, in your school, you can go to getclever.com slash go and you can read more about it, watch a video, see the pricing um, and uh, sign up. There's a 60 day free trial. And like I, I mentioned earlier, we have uh, local uh, uh, folks ready to support you and h- answer any questions you might have. And, you know, if there are any technical hiccups, you know, they're there. Um, on your time zone uh, available to help you out. So that's uh, what we're really, really excited about. And, you know, we are, I think I may have mentioned this, but partnering with the uh, Irish IT companies to make Mm -hmm. it easier for, uh, you know, for them to be aware, to help their schools adopt, and also working with the different uh, tech applications that are popular in Ireland to bring them in to the Clever platform. Um, And maybe the most important thing here is Uh, everything at Clever happens because we get feedback from school leaders and teachers. And so Mm -hmm. we have a whole team dedicated to to visiting and listening um, to the early adopters of Clever in Ireland and hearing, you know, what else do we need to do to make Mm -hmm. Clever the perfect solution for for your schools and for your context? And so we're very, very eager for folks to give this a try and tell us what we need to do next.
0: Fantastic. And I know um, quite a number of Irish schools have Already signed up. I know you. You kind of had a, a soft launch, let's say, uh, during the since the summer uh, this year. Um, how's that all going? Uh,
1: it's incredibly well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest. You know, as we started to think about where we were expanding, we knew English speaking was important. We weren't ready to have, uh, you know, multilingual support reps or you know the full interfaces uh, translated. Um, but we weren't sure where in the English-speaking world uh, we'd find the most excitement and, and earliest adoption. You know, I have to say probably personally, I, I don't know why I thought Australia might be the place. And we've heard great feedback um, in Britain, in Australia, but I think that Ireland's been the place where we found the most excitement and, and earliest adoption. And probably, Simon, you're a big part of this. Uh, you have quite a big network here. Um, but it's it's been amazing. I, mean, you know, I, I don't know if you can tell by my last name, but uh, I've got Irish roots. My whole dad's side of the family comes from Ireland. And so it's been really thrilling to see that um, it seems like there's some sort of a great uh, need in, in Ireland and also one that Clever's really able to step into it and address. So. We're thrilled to see Ireland as this market that just really seems to be taking off. And it's, of course, because we see progress, then we're able to invest more in the market and spend more time there. We had a few folks uh, touring just a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're, we're excited to see where this goes.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. And, uh, I, 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 had the pleasure of meeting, uh, Nick when he came over, uh, to Ireland. We had a, a lovely chat. Um, and it, it was nice. So, and you, it, it must, it must be, uh, nice in a, in a way. I mean, uh, having, having some Irish roots there that you, you can, something that you created is, is, is being enthusiastically welcomed over here. And we really, um, I mean, the people I've spoken to that have signed up um, are really delighted, um, and and the reaction is always the same. And I don't know if it was, what it was like back in your early days of the. It's it's. Uh, I love seeing people very excited over something so small and simple, which is just. Logging onto a Chromebook, you know, it's an, it, when it when it comes down to it, um, that, that that's the real pleasure. That oh my gosh, I have saved half an hour of my day. Um, this is amazing. Why did I not know about this before? Kind of thing. I love products like that. Um, yeah. it, it, before, before we, we finish, work, sorry, go on.
1: It's just the way it should work, right? Yeah, it's nothing. You know, it's almost. I think working in school systems, and I think this is a universal challenge. Uh, there are just a lot of places of friction that we just as teachers and principals learn to accept mm-hmm. you know of, of course we have to fill out this pointless bureaucratic form or of course of course it takes 15 minutes to get students logged in to to laptops and um, for me you know cover isn't anything innovative it's not showing you the world that you couldn't imagine it's just the way it should be and so i think yes. that's really satisfying for folks when they when they realize like oh gosh you know it's a it's a weight off of your back that you didn't even realize was on it
0: exactly it's it's great yeah it was uh, yeah almost like we the, the time when we didn't realize we needed tablets uh for you know when we were fine with laptops and we were fine with our phones but who knew we needed a tablet as well for for our lives but uh before we finish up uh we i always have to ask my guests a question it's always it's, it's fine and easy when we have an irish person uh, on but you, you you know you've got the right surname here you might 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 give it a try um you may not be very familiar with the irish education system so i won't be too hard on you if you don't have a, 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 a if you're not able to answer this but you might answer it more generally so the the, uh, podcast is called if i were the minister for education so the minister for education in ireland is in charge of our education system and i ask uh, my guests what they would do if they were given a benign dictatorship for a day they could change one thing about the education system now i'm not going to force you to pick something irish but if you if you have something that would be great but in general what would you like to see Uh, for the education system that maybe Ireland would benefit from?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm going to give an answer here that is, I think, a universal answer. And uh, Simon, if you feel like Ireland has this nailed and I need to come up with something else, i am happy to (laughs) come up with another idea. But I think one thing that I've seen as a perpetual challenge in the United States, and I think it's a a challenge that relates to human nature, not any one specific geography, is... um, First, you know, I'm a technologist, and I certainly believe that technology has, uh, can, can solve more and more problems within, within schools. But the other piece that I, I see as a, as a trap is sometimes we get excited about technology for the sake of technology instead mm. of technology for the sake of learning. Yes. And so if I were a minister of education in Ireland, I would increase funding for technology, but I would tie that uh, very closely to pedagogical challenges. Um, a school that says, I want more Chromebooks because Chromebooks are exciting, uh, should not buy more Chromebooks, but a yeah. school that says, I want more Chromebooks because that enables my students to give peer feedback using Google Docs. Mm-hmm. And we know that peer feedback leads to better writers and more engaged writers, like fund that project in a moment, in a second. So, yeah. and, and then maybe the other thing that I think probably happens in a very anecdotal way, but maybe there could be more structure around, we certainly need this in the United States, is more places where uh, educators can come together and talk about the problems they identified in their classroom and the way that they solved it, whether that's with technology or with another type of innovation yeah. um, and creating that kind of peer-to-peer learning. So uh, yeah. tell, tell me, I don't know if you would agree, are those some things that could be beneficial in Ireland or have you, do you have those all figured out?
0: Yeah, they, they are two really, really wonderful answers. And, and I'm not saying we have them figured out, but we, we have a couple of things that uh that 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 are working quite well. And uh when it comes to technology, I mean one of the things, and I'd agree with you on that, I hate when I hear uh, other teachers saying, We're a Chromebook school or we're a Apple school. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> That's not where we start. Um, we start with what we what, what we learn. And I always I have this mantra that I'm I'm trying to force down people's throats in Ireland that you know, if you can teach something without technology. Teach it without technology. You know, that's, it's, it's almost like the, the Finland has this nice mantra. If you can teach something outside, go outside. Uh, and I kind of feel that it's sort of similar to, to, you know, learning without technology. I mean, it's a great help and a great resource and a great tool and a great methodology, but it isn't the, it isn't the first protocol. Uh, in terms of peer stuff, actually, we have a really interesting thing. I'm not sure if it's reached over to the US, but it's, and it's actually a UK invention called a teach meet. Have you, have you come across these things called teach meets? No, no, not with that name. Uh, it's, it's really, a, and it's nothing, you know, again, nothing mad, uh, you know, uh, nothing difficult to organise. But it's basically, a, it's a, a group of teachers are invited to a room. Um, it could be in an education centre, it could be in a hotel. Um, and essentially, your job is uh, to bring a presentation no longer than about five minutes of something cool that you're doing in your school. And essentially, um, everybody gets a turn to present uh, for five minutes or seven minutes or whatever the agreed time is uh, on that cool thing. And by the end of the session, if you've, you know, seven people in the room, you go away with six new things. And I just think that's a, it's just a really simple concept. And, um, you know, they were really popular um, in the UK and Ireland for a few years uh, until COVID hit. And I, I just learned Uh, And this I'm going to advertise now. This, even though it's nothing to do with you, uh, that teach meets are back in Ireland, and I believe there's uh, one or two uh, going around the country at the in November, December this year. Um, Somebody, uh, Mags Amund, uh, is leading the way. She's an Irish technologist um, who did her PhD on the power of teach meets, which you believe, Um, and she is leading the way at bringing them back post COVID. So uh, it's great that you've given me the opportunity to give her a shout out uh, there, but. listen, you've already mentioned how people can sign up at uh, clever go, uh, but maybe just to remind people where they might be able to find it again, because I I think um, if you do nothing else after switching this, uh, switching the stop button on the, uh, on your podcasting device uh, that you should promise yourself that you're going to at least investigate clever go. Um, so how will they find you?
1: Yeah. So the URL is get slash go. And, I'd recommend if you're going to look at one thing, watch the video. It's about 15 seconds long, and it shows how delightful a Chromebook login can be. And if you have any feedback for me personally, uh, feel free to shoot me an email. I'm just uh, dan, D-A-N, at clever.com.
0: Fantastic. Dan, thank you so much uh, for joining me on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Uh, Thank you, Simon. It's been an absolute joy. Um, Thanks so much for having me on.
0: So there you have it. Uh, really enjoyed that chat with Dan. And uh, again, a big thanks to him for taking the time to speak to me. Uh, clever.com, as I said, really changed the way we interacted with technology in our school. And I'm so glad to see them coming to Ireland uh, and spreading that very simple, but very, very effective way of helping children to log into their devices uh, without having to remember usernames and passwords. Oh, and a whole lot more. Um, I'll be back again uh, soon with our next episode. And uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, If you have any questions or you want to get in touch with me, uh, I'm on Twitter at Simon M Lewis Uh, there, Sorry, Twitter is now called X. And um, you can email me, simon at onshaw.net. Listen, that's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. All the very best.
1: Bye-bye.